Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. Dude, I am wearing my new Carl Stollery jersey, and life couldn't be better. Wow, that is good, dude. You've really hopped on the Carl Stollery bandwagon awful quick, don't you think? When I heard on Twitter that we had traded for Carl Stollery, my heart skipped a beat, dude. It did. Yeah, it. this is going to turn the whole thing around. This is the move that we've been waiting for. Goodbye, Conrad Abdelhauser. Hello, Carl Stollery. Wait, Abdelhauser's gone? No, he's not gone. Oh, okay. His playing his playing time apparently is gone. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm I'm a little relieved, I think. <laughs> Dude, well, here we are. We're after the trade deadline. Uh the Sharks made some moves. We'll talk about those. The Sharks have uh again been completely unpredictable in terms of their on-ice performance. We'll be talking about that. We've got uh one email. We've got a lot of interesting activity in the comments. So those of you who merely listen to the podcast and don't visit dudesonhockey.com, I invite you to read the uh, very entertaining threads that are going on uh, here in the comments of the last episode, and I'm sure will be uh, repeated or or continued in the in this new episode. I'm it's it's good reading, dude. It's fun. People calling each other trolls. It's Things getting escalated, you know, calling wow. we're being called whiners. It's good. It's good stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, dude, why don't we start with the moves the Sharks made at the trade deadline? They did make some moves as we expected. Maybe not all the moves we expected, but why don't you recap for us all? What did the Sharks do here? Well, God bless America. About two hours after we recorded our podcast, James Shepard was traded to the New York Rangers. So... Um, <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Shepard. I think we were both surprised they were able to pull a fourth rounder out of the Rangers for him. Yeah. Uh, But but they were. So um, certainly wish him nothing but the best. And he's certainly on a team that has a great shot at making a really deep run after adding Keith Yandel to, you know, arguably the best decor in the Eastern Conference, at least. So, um, good on James Shepard, and uh, I'm glad to see him gone <laughs> so that some of our younger players can start to see some playing time when he was just clearly not the answer. Uh, Andrew Desjardins, a player that we both enjoyed uh, watching, and Tealy, great story, right, dude? I mean, coming up from the from the CHL through the ECHL through the AHL to the crazy rats line there, and then uh, making an impact uh, in a surprise way. One training camp, you know, was shipped to Chicago for another fourth line player, Ben Smith, and a conditional 2017 seventh rounder because I'm sure that made all the difference that, in the world. That it would it hung in the balance whether that trade was going to happen or not. It hung in the balance on that seventh rounder. Uh, Tyler Kennedy traded to the Islanders uh, for a conditional draft pick, which looks like it will probably be a 2015 seventh rounder unless the Islanders 
make some sort of run in the postseason, which I suppose is possible. I think the better they do, the better that draft pick ends up being, and the more he plays, uh, the uh, better that pick is. Ironically, in his first attempt to play, Kennedy was scratched with an injury. So <laughs> right, so more. <laughs> we of the know same. that story. Yeah, more of the same. And and then kind of an under the radar move, right? Uh, Freddie Hamilton. Uh, a player who I think we had high hopes for, who has never really uh, taken advantage of the opportunities given to him, but he was having a decent year in the AHL, was traded to the Colorado Avalanche for an AHL defenseman, Carl Stollery. Um, so that move was made in a very minor transaction, dude. And that about sums it up for San Jose. No Niemi moved, no Scott Hannon moved, no Matt Irwin moved. Um, but those other guys who were definitely on the chopping block all shipped out of town. Thoughts? Right. Yeah, I I guess we got who we could get, and those are certainly the kinds of players that we expected to go. Uh, obviously, the the question is about Antoniemi. Were was there even interest for him? Was Doug Wilson interested in trading him or not? I'm sure, even though there's an ice insights coming up this Thursday, I believe. I don't think he will be forthcoming with any information about that kind of stuff. He never is. But I know that there was certainly some concern and disappointment in the comments that Antiniemi wasn't moved. Dude, do you share that disappointment? Well, I guess it depends on what they were being offered. You know, um, I could see both sides of the coin here. If they were being offered a fifth round draft pick in 2016 or something, Mm -hmm. um, what's the benefit of that? I suppose Uh, for the last 20 games, you might just be flushing the season down the toilet um, by forcing Grosnick and and Stalock to play uh, over their head. um, If you're not going to get a second for Niemi, which I don't think was an unreasonable expectation, um, then maybe he decided he would rather he would rather have the opportunity to maybe make the playoffs with Niemi than trade him for a low round, way undervalued pick. So I get it. I mean, I, I I get it if that's why he wasn't moved. We'll never know. No. But that's my suspicion. I think if someone had made a strong offer. He would be gone. Yeah, I agree. And and we certainly talked about on the last podcast and throughout the year that there aren't a whole lot of teams. I think we may have run down it in one particular episode. We may have run down all of the playoff teams and it didn't really seem any of them were in desperate need of a goaltender. And that's when you see this kind of return happen. The, the uh, like, say the return, uh, you know, the Coyotes got for Keith Yandel, for instance, which we can... Right. Talk about a little later, but, uh, you know, that kind of need wasn't there. I think, you know, there wasn't like, oh, Chicago needs a guy, you know, or Boston needs a guy or any of these top teams need a guy. And so we're talking, if it was one of those top teams, they would probably use him in a backup role. And why would a non-playoff team pay really any amount for a goaltender who's going to be unrestricted in three months. It, it doesn't really make any sense. So I guess the, I don't think there was much of a market for Niemi at all. I agree with you. 
I think the only team, if I remember right, that made a move at the deadline for a goalie was the New York Islanders. And in that deal, when they Buffalo traded Neuwirth to them in order to get a pick, they had to take back Chad Johnson, who's having a terrible year, and he's got another year on his contract, which I'm sure Doug Wilson had no interest in doing that, even though I think he has some flexibility to do moves like that. They held back salary in a few of these trades. You know, they've done this year because they have the flexibility, um, but that probably didn't interest him at all. He figured, well, we'll just we'll roll with Niemi and see what happens. You know, and, and out of the out of the gate, <laughs> after the first two games out of the trade deadline, dude, it looked like that that lunch at Mr. Chow's might have woken him up. <laughs> Mr. Chow's works every time. <laughs> get the house chicken. <laughs> Oh, Mongolian beef, I love you. <laughs> I mean, Ben Smith, who comes over from the Blackhawks. Let's talk a little bit about Ben Smith, dude, because I think, um, you know, the, the picks that were acquired here, we're talking about the Sharks trading away uh, three players for a fourth and two sevenths, basically. Right. Um, but then they get Ben Smith, which I, I think was, um, it could be a very opportunistic play by Doug Wilson, uh, just given these three game sample size, it certainly seems like Ben Smith is a much more skilled player than Andrew Desjardins. He doesn't bring the edge that Andrew Desjardins brings, but I think he's a better hockey player than Andrew Desjardins. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, but let's keep in mind, Jason Demers also scored in his first game with Dallas. So I think that right. the, the pop that players get once they get traded is real. And Ben Smith, uh, obviously was the recipient of that and I hope he continues to play well but it could just be a excitement to play in a new situation trying to prove himself and all that stuff I'm I don't think anybody is saying this guy's going to be anything other than a fourth line player and the highest hopes for him is a third line player lord knows the sharks could use a guy like that so but no I I not to not to play it down too much I I've, I've been really impressed he seems to have a good amount of skill he seems to have good sort of knowledge on the ice, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's a better player than Desjardins. And if you're looking for a guy to drop the gloves, he's not that guy. Right, right. But the Sharks have, Sharks have enough of those guys, I think. Right, <laughs> they certainly do. Um, coming out of the trade deadline, the Sharks, I thought were going to completely flatline. And they shocked me. I know not you. You were expecting the win against Montreal. They just completely... Water Montreal at home, and then they go on the road the next night and completely slaughter the Canucks. And I was shocked, you know, in terms of how how much they were scoring. It just seemed to look easy to them. Alex Stalock, you know, playing out of his mind in in the game at home against Montreal, dude. And I was going, geez, you know, this would be so like the Sharks, right? Yeah. To wake up. And, and make a run at one of these playoff spots. And then last night happened. And it reminded me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That I don't think anything's really that different. And that pop that you talked about in terms of Ben Smith getting that pop, I think we saw the Sharks get that pop. They got that pop from the trade deadline, that little bit of a wake-up call. And then last night they managed to blow a two-goal lead at home again against the team that they had to take points from, which is what we've been seeing this whole month. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I called the win against Montreal and I called the loss against uh, Vancouver. 
only because there's absolutely no reason to predict both of those things happening. And that's what the Sharks have been this year, completely inexplicable uh, from night to night. And you're right. It seemed like they they sort of uh, took a deep breath after the trade deadline and said, oh, you know, uh, Shepard, Desjardins, Kennedy gone. Uh, oh, um, hmm, maybe I better try hard here. And, you know, of course, I, I don't mean to make too light of it. I mean, you work with these guys, you know these guys. I'm sure they were friends on the team, and these guys are just sort of shipped out. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're catching the next flight to New York. And, you know, that's got to be uh, sobering for some of those guys. Well, for James Shepard, he was going to San Diego, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, right, right, on vacation. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, and then of course we go, they go back to their old tricks and and lose. So, you know, I, I guess here's here's the uncomfortable question, right? And I think this is the uncomfortable question that I think a lot of Sharks fans are wrangling with. And I know we've gone back and forth via text message on this exact issue, and I've talked with other Sharks fans about this. He, here's the thing: Do you want the Sharks to make the playoffs? <laughs> Um, yeah, see what I mean? It's hard. And I, I feel, I feel like a bad fan for even having that moment inside of me where I go, you know what? I don't. And, and I think I err more side on the side of, I don't than I do because I think my brain tells me that if they do make it, they're just going to lose in the first round. I don't. I don't know who who I would pick them against to beat. Right. I don't know who I pick against them to beat. Vancouver um, is the only team I can think of at the moment. I don't even know if I do that, dude. I mean, like it, it's. I mean, Vancouver is, I guess, as flawed as the Sharks, and it's very possible that both those teams won't even be in the playoffs. It's possible. It's possible. You know. Um, but on on the other hand, like I, I I look at well, if the Sharks don't make it, they're going to be out of the lottery teams. They'll be one of the best lottery teams. So their shot at getting any sort of meaningful draft pick is basically nothing. I mean, like a two percent chance. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't you rather have a chance to win a playoff series or two instead of have a two percent chance at the number one pick. I mean, I don't know. It's a tough, it's a tough question, dude. I think it really gets back to which direction will the Sharks make more meaningful changes to this team. And I think that will happen if they do not make the playoffs. Maybe some actual meaningful changes will continue to happen. If they do make it, I could see it being the same story next year. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you. I don't think I'm even as torn as you. I, I feel even less optimism that the Sharks will go anywhere if they make the playoffs. I, I know there are those fans, and, and I think it's a very reasonable argument to make to say if they make the playoffs, anything could happen, right? We've seen eight seeds win the Cup. We've seen eight seeds make the Stanley Cup Finals in the, not too re- you know, in the recent past. So it, it could happen. Team gets hot. They still got elite players, goalies get hot, whatever. All of a sudden, we could see the Sharks just on a tear, and it could be party time here. But, you know, I'm with you. I just don't – you look at some of these teams that are 
playing well and doing well in the West, and you just don't understand how the Sharks could possibly beat them in the series. Not that it's impossible, but it it just seems such a, such a long shot. It seems like such a, a long shot to pin your hopes to. And when the most likely outcome is just as you said, we get a middle to late first round draft pick in a stacked draft. Um, you know, this time I think I'd rather see the Sharks have a shot at getting a really high pick in a great draft year. That that's just the bottom line. And and like you, I feel like a terrible fan because of it, but I'd like to think it's because I want to see the Sharks have a legitimate chance to win a cup. And I don't see that this year. I think I, I want to see them continue to make meaningful changes. And I think maybe the most disturbing thing that's happened in the last time since we recorded was Doug Wilson going on record saying that he will not ask Joe or Patty to waive their no movement clauses under any circumstances. Do you find that disturbing? Oh yeah. I was, that was the next thing I was going to bring up because you were just talking a moment ago about meaningful changes. I'm making air quotes, meaningful changes. And here's the, other, here's the next question. If uh, Joe Thorne and Patrick Marlowe will not be moved essentially, unless by some, you know, I don't know, medical condition, they decide to want to leave San Jose. Do you think they can make even meaningful changes with both of those guys still here? Um, I think that they have the ability to make some major renovations to the roster. I think, you know, jumping maybe a little bit ahead to, to something that Kevin Kurz wrote in relationship to the Ben Smith trade is the Sharks are going to have about $19 million in cap space next year. And they may be in the opportunity to listen, dude, this is not the right example, but it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Uh Okay. Uh But we've seen it written about, they may be able to take Phil Kessel. You know what I mean? and, And not have to give up that much. Because they could take it. They could say, listen, you don't have to pay any of the salary. We'll take it all. And we'll give you something that's clearly not the same value. But you can get out from underneath the contract. I'm not saying I want Phil Kessel. I'm not saying that's, that's the solution. I'm saying those kinds of scenarios. Let's say the Blackhawks really do want to move Patrick Sharp. We could do that. Like We could take him. We got some players that have hot wives. We can take Patrick <laughs> We've seen him. I used to sit in the, uh, in the players' wives section. You know what I'm talking about. Dude. I know this is exist. a situation that Florida was in, has been, been in before, where they were able to add a player like Brian Campbell because they could take the contract, right. and they didn't give up Jack to get him. Right. You right. know, and, and the Sharks might be able to do that but is that going to really change the trajectory of this team? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I think, you know, we're, we're certainly not pinning all the blame on Patrick Marlowe, but finally last night when he made a mistake, we saw some sort of repercussion where he was moved down to the third line for making a terrible play that really changed the trajectory of the game. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't seem like the worst possible punishment to me. It's like, yeah, you play on the third line for a little while. Boo. Yeah, but at least it was it, it was it was a something, dude. It was yeah. a, it was a step 
in some sort of direction. And after the game, you know, making it clear that he... Finally, there was a name attached to McClellan's disappointment. I mean, I think he's referring to Marlowe for much of this, you know? And this is not all his fault. Dude, I'm going to actually go... I'm going to go a little lawyer on what uh, Doug Wilson said because he said he would never ask them to waive their no trade clause. But I think you can field, if I'm going to you know, play a lawyer on, on the podcast here, I think you can field trade offers and even propose these trade offers to the players without asking them to waive their no trade. Like, let's say, you know... Dallas or or somebody comes to them and says, "Hey, we we really really want a center. We really want Joe Thornton, and we'll give up, you know, Trevor Daly, X, Y, and Z, whatever, you know, for for these guys." And Doug Wilson just you know calls up Joe Thornton on the phone and says, "Hey, Joe, just to let you know, we've had some interest from the Stars, and and they're interested in bringing you over. I'm not asking you to do anything, but I'm just saying I don't know if this is something that has any interest to you." You know what I'm saying? Like that's can, nice, dude. It's very, very law and order of you. It is. It is. And you know, I honestly, maybe this is me trying to make the best of what is mostly a fairly dismaying situation. If he says that, I mean, basically, he, what he's saying is, I will never move these players unless they come to me first and say they want to be moved. That's different than you know fielding offers and then just sort of proposing them. And say, hey, by the way. In case you're interested in going to Dallas, there is a there's a deal on the on the table that I would be interested in if you're interested in. And I don't think that's necessarily the same thing as, dude, get out of town. Would you please waive your no trade? I think there is a difference there. I don't know. I'm right. I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah, I that's not how I read it. You know, but right. but I I hope that you're right. You know, I, I think that we'll go down this season saying that, you know, until those players that are still good players are moved. The trajectory of this team is not going to change. You know, um, they're, they're the common thread, dude, between everything that's happened in the last 10 years. Well, you can so, say McClellan as well. And so we'll, well, I'm but I think that we'll be talking about that. Dude, I'm, a, I'm, I'm so positive that he's going to get fired. Like, I just... Do you think that's going to happen for sure? Yeah, I think he's going to get fired. I think that he... There's, there's too much smoke around the discussion by well-informed people that they are not getting along. I say they, Doug Wilson and Tom McClellan, there's a, there's a disconnect. And you could see it when Doug Wilson came out and said, oh, we traded James Shepard so that Tomas Hurdle could play more center. And that night, Hurdle did not play center. Right. Yeah, that, you know? yeah that's and, certainly... And like, you a, look, you look at something like that, you go, hmm. <laughs> like... How how does McClellan not know that that's like what the plan is, or he does know and he doesn't care, right? You know, um, and I'm not saying that Doug Wilson is in the right. I I I don't give him a lot of credit for what he did at this trade deadline. Essentially, dude, he traded a second and two thirds, which is what he gave up to get Shepard, Kennedy, McGinn, and now we have a fourth and a conditional seventh. So I don't give him any credit. He flushed away a second and two thirds on three bad acquisitions. Those were not good trades to get Shepard, Kennedy, and McGinn. And now he has a fourth and a seventh to show for it. 
I mean, what's the last good move that he's made, in your opinion, dude? Can you think back to what that is? Brendan Dillon? Is it? it is it, are we sure? No. <laughs> We're not, not sure. Not, not sure. Because I haven't seen I haven't seen how much money they're going to give him. Yeah. How much money does he get? He's restricted. How much money does he get? He's fine. Like I I don't not like him. I think that I don't know why. I, both of us feel the same way. I don't know why I like him. I can't really explain yeah, it. Right. I, I think I, I just want to like him. Yeah. I think I just want to feel positive about something. He does. You're right. He does seem to care and try hard. You know. <laughs> I guess getting bonus points for caring and trying hard. This is where we are. It's kind of sad. Yeah. But, you know, I, I can't even say that that's a good deal, especially we, we, we're we still paying part of Jason Demers' salary. Yeah. And uh, so, Andrew Desjardins as well. The Desjardins, what I mean, what, you're, you're paying, you know, 20, 25% of $5,000 or whatever he was making. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't matter. But the, the Demers one, you look at that and you go, okay, he signed Demers to a bad contract and had to get out from under it and pay for part of it. How, how much longer does he get? How much more rope does he have? That's, that's truly the, the question that has, you know, no informed answer that I can find, right? I mean, we think that, you know, there seems to be some evidence that the GM and the coach aren't getting along. I think it's certainly a, a decent bet that McClellan will not be back. But we have no read on the owner. We have no read on, uh, you know, Doug Wilson and his status as uh, as general manager. And if the new owner is going to sort of let him try and dig himself out of this hole that the Sharks are now in or if the owner is going to lose patience and say, okay, we need to get somebody else. And, and I know there's certainly a lot of people out there, a lot of sharks fans out there who want Doug Wilson's head. And I think there's, you know, there's definitely obviously a lot of good arguments for that. Um, you know, the only, the only thing I would say in response to that, not that I'm, you know, the biggest Doug Wilson fan at the moment is who you're going to get instead, right? That's the, that's the same question you have about a coach is it's like, okay, it's all well and good to say, okay, this general manager blows, but you need to find somebody to replace him. It's like, you know, I, Mike Milbury, I know is available, but I don't think anybody would be super happy with that. Well, you know, dude, I, I think there's, what would you say if, if, if Ray Shiro and Dan Bilesman were the next, you know, leadership core of the San Jose Sharks, what would you say to that? Dan Bilesman. I don't know. That's, that's a tough call. You know, I, I mean, if he, you know, he got fired on it from a team that was doing well and had some of the best players in the world and he couldn't, couldn't. Yeah, but I, I think, I mean, I think it's the same sort of, I look at it as the same sort of situation as McClellan. McClellan is a, is a really good coach. And when he is gone from here, he will be coaching in the NHL next year unless he chooses not to. And I think Bilesma would have been coaching somewhere right now if he had found a job that he wanted. It's not that no one wants him. He's still the number one candidate out there. Okay. I mean, that's my opinion. I don't know that for a fact. I mean, I think he'll be back. He didn't need to work. He's cashing Pittsburgh checks right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know, dude. You know, I mean, I, I guess maybe we're we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. We've got a big week 
of yeah. Sharks hockey coming up. With speaking of Pittsburgh, I mean, you got the Pittsburgh Penguins coming to town tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. You got Nashville coming to town on Thursday, and you got the Blackhawks playing a matinee game on Saturday. All of the Shark Tank, all games, the Sharks need to get points in at least get a point in these games as the season is slowly starting to get away from them and the Sharks are about to go on a seven-game road trip. Right, and then they go to Winnipeg, another playoff team, and Toronto, of course, who is floundering in Montreal and some other playoff teams there. So, But you're right, they got three matchups this week at home against not only playoff teams but high-seeded playoff teams. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is this is a brutal, brutal stretch for them here. You know, it, it's uh, it actually probably couldn't be set up much worse than than this. I think. I think. Uh, I think definitely the next ten days, the next five games: Pittsburgh, Nashville, Chicago, Winnipeg, Toronto. By the end of that, we'll know if the Sharks are going to make the playoffs or not. I think I think this, the next five games are make or break for this team for this this season. What's an acceptable What's an acceptable run then for them in that stretch? I mean, what do you think they're going to need to do to keep up here? It is quite a log jam, uh, and I think I don't have that uh, uh, percentages, but I think the Sharks were at about twenty five thirty percent to make the playoffs. You know, the odds are very long against them right now. They are six points out of uh, a wild card spot, five points out of the Pacific third spot, which is occupied by Calgary, dude. L.A. isn't even in right now either. Yeah, I think the Sharks need seven points in the next five games or more in order to... Oh. Main, yeah, they need they need to win three games. At least oh win three games in order, to, in order to maintain, I think, to keep pace with some of these other teams in the playoff picture. And needless to say, I mean, I, you know... Not to be a huge downer, but I I don't think the Sharks are going to get there. I mean, we've seen them get crushed by Nashville in the not in the recent past. Um, you know, Pittsburgh. We I don't know if we've have we even seen them this year. Maybe early in the year we saw them. I'm looking at the schedule here, but um, well, I, it's listen, just, it's not looking good. Let, let's let's flip the coin a little bit here, okay? Pittsburgh's been out here on a long road trip, as far as I know. So maybe we're going to catch them at the right time. Uh, Nashville has lost six games in a row. Wow. Okay. So maybe we're catching them at the right time. And uh, Chicago's you know, in trouble too. And Chicago is, is you know, they're, they're 500 in their last 10 as well. Um, so And Patrick Kane is hurt, right? Yeah, and Patrick Kane is out. You know, and they've now added, you know, Desjardins and Antoine Vermette and Kimo Tiemann into that roster. You know, that's some pretty significant... New, new faces, new personalities onto that team. Um, not impossible for the Sharks to to, to win uh, two or three of these games at home, but like, these games are at home. you got to find a way to win these games. To not beat Vancouver last night, uh, it was so, so, so disappointing that they weren't able to to put themselves in a position where they could be collecting points at home from the Sharks are so bad at home. They're 15 and 20. Wow. That's awful. I mean, 15, 15, and 5, which that last number 5 is essentially a loss. Yep. So if they are 15 and 20. There's no other Western Conference team that's in the playoff hunt that is below 500 at home. 
Yeah. No, no other team. The only team that's close is Winnipeg, and they're seventeen and sixteen. And they lost Dustin Bufflin, so Winnipeg's actually hurting too. We might be able to catch Winnipeg. That might be four. Yeah, I mean, you, you're catching some of these teams maybe at a vulnerable moment, but the Sharks are just as vulnerable. That's true. You know, and 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 if you're these other teams, you're not going to be looking at a trip to San Jose like they used to. Like, oh no, we've got to go to the tank. It's like, oh. We're going to the tank? Yeah. <laughs> I read Theo Fleury's book. You know what that means. <laughs> that was Madison Square Garden. <laughs> no, no. He, okay. I, I don't know if I want to tell the story. Uh, yeah, don't tell the story. All right. So uh, anyway, dude. So I think, um, I think. well, we certainly know what the Sharks roster is going to look like the rest of the year. And uh, so I, I guess, you know, we're, the Sharks have now are now sleeping in the bed that they've made. So I, I guess, you know, the next, but like I said, I think the next five games is, will give us the answer as to where the Sharks are going to, are they going to even have a shot to make the playoffs? Because they, they got to pick up some points here because on the road in Montreal, on the road in Detroit, on the road in, in Pittsburgh to finish up the month, that's just rough. I know April looks a lot easier, Colorado, Arizona twice, Dallas, the Oilers, and then finishing in L.A., I mean, certainly April looks better, but I don't know if you want to be in a position where you have to run the table uh, right. to make yeah. it in, and that's very well where they could be. I think you're you're absolutely right. It's it's the next five games. We will know. I, dude, to be honest, I think we're going to know in the next three. Yeah. If, if they lay an egg at home in these next three games, and let's say they only get two points in these next three games, I think that we're, we know what the answer is. Yeah. They, they're not going to make it because you, know, you look at the road trip, they're going to Montreal. That's a playoff team. They're going to Winnipeg. That's, you know, a team in the playoff hunt. You know, Philly believes they're still in the playoff hunt. Ottawa is chasing down a spot in the Eastern conference. I mean, they're on fire. That's one of the teams you do not want to play right now. Detroit, Pittsburgh. I mean, these, these not really, a situation that you want to be in, but um, you know, this team is so wildly unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I mean, who knows, dude, let's just try and start tomorrow night by collecting a win uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think it's really one game at a time. Just try and put it together and see if you can go on one of those streaks that this team is capable of doing. We've seen them do it. And dude, let's, um, let's end on some positivity. We got an email from Paul, and we talked about the trades. We talked about maybe the Sharks not getting great return for the players that they did get rid of. But Paul asks, do you think by cutting the fat and getting rid of those players, the Sharks have accidentally upgraded? Though it may have seemed like a sell, this is Doug Wilson's way of forcing T-Mac to play Goodrow and Tierney. I think Smith is a clear upgrade over Desjardins. The Desjardins was the biggest loss of the deadline. Was this actually a net gain for the Sharks? What do you think, dude? Yes. I, I agree. Yes. I think this is, I mean, although maybe we're not happy with the return on those trades, I think it is a net gain as well. Absolutely. I mean, the the irritant of what Doug Wilson gave up to get those players, that that's gone. You can't undo that. Those guys were underperforming. They were getting ice time when they didn't deserve it, for the most part. Uh, they couldn't even stay in the lineup. And you've got some young kids that in moments have shown that they're capable of more 
than what those veteran players were. So it's time. Yeah, it's time to see them. And we saw the results in those two games against Montreal and Vancouver. We saw what they're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. They were exciting. Yeah. Excited to play, excited for the opportunity. So hopefully um, that will that enthusiasm maybe will uh, propel the Sharks to some big wins this week, dude. Yeah. Sounds good, dude. Well, I know our schedules are crazy, but I think we're going to try and do another podcast here hopefully in a week or so. Of course, you can always email us, email us at questions at dudesonhockey.com and keep commenting on the posts. We definitely are reading them, and you can tweet us and all that kind of social media crap. So, Anyway, we're still watching these, this team. We're still interested to see what happens because Lord knows we can't predict with any idea what they're going to do. They could they could blow off five straight here after a very disappointing loss to Vancouver. It, it wouldn't really surprise me at all to see that happen. So keep tuning in. Yeah, we they could and they might. And who knows, dude, and we'll be back to talk about it next week. Talk to you then, dude. Later. Bye.